Just the trick. What is happening? It's all right, Dizweet. No need to panic. Oh, you know what that noise means, don't you? I have not got a clue. Ah, right. Well, it means we've landed on an episode from a two-part story. So, we'll watch part one this week and part two next week. I think that'll work out well. And this particular two-parter is quite an interesting one, because it very nearly wasn't a two-parter at all. We'll get more into that as we give Space Precinct a death watch. <coughs> what? Oh, yes, um, uh, right after I put some clothes on, in fact. Um, thank you, Dizweet. Talk about the eye-opening. So, it's been a while since we've seen Space Precinct on the old randomizer. Um, I'm sure this is going to make Richard James very happy. And I think we've done three so far, and mostly so far we've been pulling them from the the very end of the series, the better episodes, and today is no exception. We've gone, well, with this episode, we've gone almost right to the end, because uh, although this is the beginning of the two-part series finale, this was not um, not the last, or indeed even the penultimate episode of the series to be filmed. We'll get more into that later. But uh, yeah, this is the beginnings of where Space Precinct finally ended. And straight away we are just hooked with one of the most interesting images of the entire series. Uh, the CGI is a bit sort of... It, it, it was possible at the time, but today it's not uh, the greatest. And just this rip in space and you see this other universe beyond and this meteor just comes spilling out. What's that about? We don't know. But now we're going over to this uh, uh, military research base where we find one... Wayne Forrester! Surprise, surprise. Actually... How are we doing? Surprise in this episode, considering the number of appearances Wayne made in the series, and considering how whenever he appeared, he always had his own voice. This is, I think, the one time in the series he appears with his own face, eastern edge of the bay and the ocean beyond, and is dubbed. Most of it'll burn up in the atmosphere. I don't care. I can't afford to take any chances. Understood. So this is Captain Weldon yes, and Evan. Help us if we lose it, Major Graffer. And I've always wondered if this shot of Weldon looking towards... There's a massive blue screen behind her, which I can only guess is an unfinished or unachievable kind of effect shot. 
I imagine this is supposed to be like a Star Trek style display on there, but instead they've just left the blue screen. Um, maybe it's meant to look like that, but I can't imagine that's the case because they should be looking out over sort of the snowy mountains where the base is set. Answer and me are in love. Well, in that case, there's only one thing I can say. Oh, you fool! Oh no, that's that's my that's my 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 cynic coming in, but. Uh, Ooh. Looks like you got yourself some fireworks to celebrate the occasion. Yeah, very pretty. This is the meteor raining down on uh, the farm belonging to one Randall Butler and his um, farmhand, uh, Skiles, is the, the guy driving the truck. Let's go take a look. Yeah. And I like that, you know, this series is obviously so focused in futuristic city, futuristic city, space stations and such. And this is one of the few times where we see just like ordinary, well, farm people. It's um, it's not necessarily what you'd expect to see in a, a sci-fi series, especially an Anderson series. And I think, again, it highlights the, the way that this one sort of brings up sort of different ideas the series hadn't played Fantastic. with before, including this meteor. Mr. Butler! Mr. Butler is going to touch. Never a good thing. I mean, it's not glowing green, but even so, deadly enough by the look of it. Oh, jeez. I always found that a very odd, odd thing for an alien to say. Oh, jeez. I assume that's an abbreviation of Jesus. Is he is he Christian? This uh, alien chap? Are you sure you're okay? Well, if he uh, does believe in any god, let's just say um, his god is not with him in this scene because Mr. Butler has now stood up and his eyes have turned purple. Jeez, what is that thing? Butler just... Oh, that's it. Shovel over the head. And I... Well, I presume decapitation as well. Very swift and brutal death for Skiles. Poor Skiles. I trans too. It's good and healthy. So again, we've gone from high-tech military base to um, the sort of mundane world of a farm, and now we're in the equally mundane world of... Uh, a run-down tower block. One day you got neighbors, the next, lizards. Well, I'm not going anywhere. These two, uh, two sweet old ladies. One Creon, one, um... Here, for you. I don't think her, her race is identified. Um, they're the only two tenants left in this building. Man's inhumanity to man. Now, something I should probably mention with this, which might help make it... Me neither. Partly makes sense, but also um, make it a bit more confusing. Um, so most broadcasts and uh, DVD sets replace Death Watch and Death Watch Conclusion as the the series finale. That was not the plan. It's a lot of money, The plan was we'd make Death Watch, and um, then they didn't make the conclusion until I think three episodes later. Because originally there was no conclusion, this was just going to be a standalone episode, which, um, again, I'll get into more later. It's kind of baffling to me that they ever thought that this didn't deserve to be continued. But also, there's a Jack and Jane subplot in this one, where he's he's sort of worried that she's she's got another admirer, and it does link in rather nicely to 
how their eventually how their relationship eventually develops in the final episode. So this is scattered with a lot of moments like that where it wasn't planned to be followed up on, but then they did follow it up, and it kind of it kind of fits. Let's find out. And yet, equally, there are there are moments where part one and part two have elements that just just don't gel at all. Top floor. there, Fredo. It's a very as a two-parter. This is a very baffling. It's it's good. It's a very baffling viewing experience at times. Look, there's no way I can set her down. So one of the old ladies has been chased up to the roof of the tower block by two Tarn uh, thugs. She's getting close. And Haldane is just gonna... Haldane is so cool. And I really like in this episode, he's just like, I'm gonna look after this old lady. She is... she's my new best friend. And I'm gonna prove that by jumping out of the cruiser onto the roof. Way back up from the street! Break a leg! Right! This guy is just... well, his stuntman is very cool. You alright? Oh, don't you stand there! Go get him! Right, yes, ma'am. Stay put! And I love how this old lady, uh, Mrs. Fluss, Bertha Fluss, she's like... Yeah, she may be physically old and slightly infirm, but she... her mind is still totally sharp, and she's like, yeah, you go... you go sort out the bad guys. This is what I pay taxes for you to do. I thought I told you to wait inside. I thought she might need some help. <laughs> See, that's exactly what I mean. She thinks she can... She thinks she'll be of use to the, uh... The armed police officer. Ah! Luckily, as it turns out, they don't need help. Uh, nothing my way. They didn't use the stairs. There's only one way to handle a woman. You gotta stand up and tell her how you feel. Be forceful. Be direct. To my mom? What are you, a Creon or a whip? I love this stuff of Orin. Oh, no. Aaron struggles with his mum that's mentioned a couple of times in this episode. What? Bertha Fluss, the beast of astronomics 101. And also that Mrs. Fluss is um, one of your high school teachers. Yeah, one of Remick's old teachers. Because again, it's like it's a little insight into the past histories of these characters that we very rarely got any glimpses of in this show. That all they teach you at medical school these days? Nice meeting you, Mrs. Fluss. Carson didn't go to medical school. Carson went to just knowing about everything in all aspects of. Anything vaguely related with science school. Besides you? Plot convenience school, that's the one. Oh, yeah! I'm looking at the reactions on, on Romek's face there, the animatronics by this point are just so so expressive. I don't know if maybe Romek benefited from being a mask that was made after. Come on, Mrs. Floss, let's see if we can get a mask. The very early the very earliest masks. He didn't appear until episode 5 onwards. Maybe they learnt some lessons there that sort of enabled them to put more expression into his face. He always... He's a master of sort of like... Vacant looks, is right. There must be something you can do. People don't just disappear. Well, it's a free planet. I feel for this. So Skiles' girlfriend has come to the station house to report him missing. Um... You think I'm making this whole thing up? And I no. think she's probably one of the most is trying to say is that unless we have evidence of sympathetic characters we ever see in the series, just because she's only in two scenes. Great. Thanks a lot for your help. Thanks. And this one took and Castle like, well, he's probably just he's probably oh, fed up with you. And you should just get over it, essentially. Um, she does reappear later and again gets treated just as badly. Um, it's, it's an uncharacteristically sort of unsympathetic moment from Castle and Took there, I feel. I should have given the sketch artist a better picture. Sorry, now we have another street scene that uh, well, 
in Demeter City. And again, the, the street scenes in this, I think I said back in Deadline, were, they started out quite badly. This one, the tower looks so great from the outside. There are like shops in the background now. Um, it's still not 100% there, but it's so much improved over what it was before. Oh, you can say that again. It's so much improved over what it was before. Gentlemen, this is my landlord, Randall Borden. Ooh. Lieutenant Brogan and... Looking suspiciously like uh, old Randall Butler there. Mrs. Luton just told me what happened. It must have been terrible. Are you all right? His bright purple eyes and... Yeah, I, I, I really like what... Um, oh, I've forgotten the actor's name who's playing Borden Butler in this. He's really good in this. Because he's got the... You know, he seemed like a good guy before he was taken over. Then he's got the sinister air of being possessed by this evil alien force, but also he's this... You see the difference. He's chosen to adopt this sort of slimy, uh, very sort of... Oh, creepy landlord type guy with the, even down to the greasy hair it's, it's a great image form that's the key i'm not entirely sure about these two tan uh, thugs though the um if i'd been a few years younger sort of like brief philosophical discussions they they have i think they're trying to make it feel like something out of I've added a little potassium. Well, I don't know. They're, they're, I guess they're trying to go for the contrast, the extreme violence and the sort of extreme philosophy stuff. Kind of like, I don't know. I think it's meant to be some, like something out of a clockwork orange, but it doesn't quite. Companionship is my function. Come on. Nice crib you got here, lady. They've broken into Bertha's home. Well, I say broken in, the, the door apparently wasn't locked. Just take it. Um, one of them is he's holding his crotch, almost like he needs the bathroom. Oh, you missed one. One that one didn't smash; it just bounced. Of course. And that's oh, poor old little Rocky the robot has just been decapitated with a broom. Uh, I don't know why he's called Rocky when the name on his side is, is Boris, or it might be Bore15. Uh, I, I do like Rocky, Rocky the robot in this. He's only in a couple of scenes. Um, but it, it, again, it adds to the world building of this because up until now, the only robot we've seen has been slow mo. Um, occasionally, you would have like an artificial intelligence, like in the lift in Body and Soul. But it helps to add to this world when we see like robots are, you know, in this episode being used as companions for the elderly, which makes absolute perfect sense. That is a, a great way to use them to make these little creatures that are so, you know, so helpful and cheerful, and they are companions for for the for people who who have no one else. So I like that. I like that bit of world building with this. They're on their way. Anyway, it doesn't matter now because Rocky's been decapitated and the thugs have locked Bertha in a storage closet. But luckily, Haldane is going to to find her and let her out. Not because anyone reported her missing. Bertha? But because he just decided to show up with flowers. Because he's just a good guy, is Haldane. Bertha! I know, I know. Again, some people don't, don't like him. I can't. I can't see it. He's just in here. For the most part, he's just this all-round good guy. Hey, are you in there? So we have a bit of a mystery here because the two military officers uh, 
Weldon and Graffer have been parked outside in a van watching, and now... This place was a mess! Bertha's apartment has been miraculously put back as it was before the attack. They killed my Rocky! My Rokok! There you are, Bertha. And this Whatever is something that I can't quite, um, believe. So Weldon and Graffer have somehow facilitated this miraculous restoration of her apartment to its original... You never returned! its original pre-trashing form, right down to rebuilding Rocky. How did they do this? I know they say that they, they sent in a team or something, but I, uh, I don't know, how would they make everything? I mean, how did they repair all the plates in time? How did they get Rocky back to normal? Did they... I will admit something very weird is going on around here. You're telling me. They like scan her apartment, make a list of everything that was in there before it got trashed. Look, Mrs. Floss. It's probably the one part of this story that I can't quite believe, and this is a story about a, a an alien meteor from another dimension coming to to Altor and possessing people. What do you want to do? This is the bit that's quite strange. Protection. This is for me, officer. Yeah. And I have a name. It's Jack. This is so sweet because again we most of the women we see Haldane interacting with You've through this series me, Come on captain an attempt was made on her life are all you know young and pretty you know most of his interactions with women are of a sort of flirty nature reason to lie And in this episode he's like hey this old woman she's my new best friend and I am going to not only check up on her Mrs. Flass doesn't seem like the hysterical type I am going to actually what, fight what for this? her and make sure that she's, you know, she's protected. Contact social services. Captain, wait, something is definitely happening down there. And it's, it, it's, a, it's a new angle for the character, but also it, it absolutely fits. I don't see him as sort of like, you know, just a would-be womanizer. He's more sort of... But... All right, Dando, and thank you. He's a gentleman, essentially. <laughs> he just wants to make sure that all women are, are looked after and treated well. Well, suppose he did get cold feet. He wouldn't disappear completely. And there's an extra in the cages behind Castle and Took here who I think is uh, he's wearing the Clyburn woman's head from Deadline, wearing glasses, and he's got a strange goatee and a bit of hair on the top of his head. He looks very strange. On this new landlord, all right? Oh, right, so you are bopping the beast. Oh. Now, why don't you shut up, Romick? Or maybe you'd like me to shut you up. Well, you want a piece of me? How yeah! Hey, 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 hey. I, I like that bit. I really like that bit. It's kind of... It's just a joke. Yeah. It's kind of a stretch to get to that moment, but I do like it when these characters are yelling at each other. So Jane and Took are now hovering over Butler's farm. They can see the meteor glowing in a little tent down there, and they've just been overtaken by a couple of uh, military jets. You have entered restricted military airspace. Change your heading to zero Very formidable. and exit this fly zone. I've still got the little uh, teddy bear on the dashboard. That's so sweet. What the military choose to do is, quite frankly, none of our business. I want to know. Now, what I find Podley's behaviour through actually both episodes of this two-parter rather uncharacteristic for him. Because it seems like every time somebody comes to him in this episode saying, oh, there's a bit of a mystery going on here, he's like, well, shut up, stop it, there's no mystery, and there's nothing unexplained. That every officer in my staff is out there doing social work. This is all fine, stop it. I, I don't, he's... 
What connection? Between he never normally seems this dim. I know he's oh, meant to be sort of... Sake, you have no hard evidence of a crime. Leave it to missing persons, all right? I know he's supposed to be like, you know, the crusty commander, as we see in a lot of other Jerry Anderson shows, but in this episode, he just seems like a buzzkill who can't really catch a clue. And in both cases, you know, Token Castle and Brogan and Haldane, they're both onto something, ultimately. But he's like, no, 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 forget it. It's too much work. I just came by to see. Oh, you. again. Um, so um, Weldon and um, Graffer are still monitoring what's going on in the apartment building. I notice that they too have calculators on their on their dashboard. Um, calculators meant to be like um, little computer consoles, much like we saw in um, a Space Tank over in Terrorhawks. That's so sweet. Meanwhile, what is not sweet, Borden and the Tarn boys have come back to pester Mrs. Newton. Have you reconsidered yet? I'm not interested. This is my home. I'm sorry to hear that. You see, you leave me no choice. I have to persuade you. Oh, no, get out. And it's time to throw the old lady off the roof. Um... Can't let this Ironically, while there is a police officer in the building, because Haldane is back with Bertha, having a nice little chat over over coffee. If you want to be happy, you have to face your fears. Like here, where Mrs. Newton is facing her fear of heights by uh, being shown the view from the top of the apartment block. It's, it's quite an odd um, contrast. Terrorising an old lady, cut back to scenes of having a nice cosy chat with an old lady. And she's been thrown off the roof, and I, yeah, the, um, that shot of her falling is rather, she doesn't seem to be falling fast enough, she's, she's, um, overlaid onto a model shot, but I don't think she's quite falling fast enough, and there may also be a, a size issue there. Um, but yeah. Props to them for trying, at least. I'm talking about the fact that we feel there's a connection between this incident and the systematic harassment of tenants in your building. Frankly, I'm shocked that you should make such a suggestion at a time like this. We're now we're down to, to uh, tenant singular. There's only Bertha left now. Mr. Borden, we'll let you know if we need anything. All right, okay. What'd you find out in the background check? Borden's strictly legit. Hey, the the, the, the guy from the cell earlier that I mentioned with the Clyburn head, he's standing behind the police barrier now. He filed a demolition permit with City Hall, but he's Somebody not made bail on him then. Anything in its place. Come on, you move it. Hey. Here we go. Orin and Romek have caught the two thugs. At the shuttle gate. Interplanetary. Tickets in hand. Two minutes later and they'd have been nothing more than a memory. And I like that they, you know, as much as they are often the, the comic relief, they can actually get things done. Hungry. Guess this means you get home in time for your mommy's curfew. Very funny. While also making uh, snipey comments at each other. However, the Tarns are not going to be in custody long because Graffer and Weldon coming down the stairs from Potley's office. As far as you're concerned, these two are never arrested and this never happened. Talk to your captain if you want. I'll do that. This isn't over. It's over, Brogan. What? We catch the. <laughs> I don't understand Podley in this episode at all. It's like. Oh, I handed them over to the military. Just, is he having a I don't like this anymore. midlife crisis or something? He suddenly decided just to not be, not be a police officer, not be the same guy that he's been for the last twenty odd episodes. There's nothing I can do. I'm sorry, gentlemen. I'm just a police captain. It's not up to me. Leave me alone. Yesterday on that military plane. <laughs> 
Well, you tell us. I think, yeah, Podley is... Podley's presentation in this episode, and again slightly in the second, is probably a weak spot. You know, they're both the same. You know what? We're working on the same case here. Oh, I love that bit. I wish more was... This is definitely not over made of that. Because, again, once they realise that they're both working on the same case, it becomes just Brogan and the Haldanes, Castle and Took are gone for the rest of the episode, essentially. And underneath the apartment building, Rotim Towers, we have a glowing, sinister, pink meteorite thingy. And a pair of glowing, sinister, pink eyes, as Mr. Borden... Uh, oh, he's um, pouring... Cyclo something all up the stairs. Gonna have a barbecue. He's torching the place. Can you believe this? <laughs> I can believe anything. Really? Have you seen a man eat his own head? And what about the old lady? She's still up there in her apartment. Collateral damage. We can't interfere with Butler. He's all we've got. So Graffer and Weldon are quite happy to let uh, oh, no. the building burn down with... Bertha's still inside it. Unfortunately, these damn pesky police officers have appeared to do the right thing again. Oh, so tedious. We're checking on a private citizen, then we're out of here. <laughs> Too late for that, I'm afraid. Go home, officers. You don't need to know anymore. The hell I don't. Let him go. It won't make any difference. I do like um, Greffin Weldon in this. I... I... Although I don't think it's it's the strongest performance in the world, I like that Weldon is... She has at least got a degree of empathy. You know, it doesn't matter to her whether Bertha is saved one way or another, but if she could be saved, that would be handy. Whereas Graffer is like, I don't care. I'm just, it's... We've got to see how this plays out. We've got to let things take their course. And he looks really... impassive and, and slightly sinister as well, with that neat little moustache and the, the eye patch as well. Um... In this episode, I... He's quite a sort of static figure, really. You, you rarely see him moving. The building is now going up in flames. It looks like uh, a fire started on the basement staircase. And now, while Brogan is trying to put it out, Borden jumps him, having a bit of a scuffle, while Haldane is helping Bertha down the stairs. So unfortunately, this means that Poor old Rocky or Boris the robot or whoever he is. It's been left to die in the fire once again. Oh, and speaking of dying in fire, Borden has now fallen down the staircase. Having a bit of a tantrum on the way down while his eyes are glowing purple. Give me a hand, Brogan. This all looks very dangerous. I know I'm I'm sure there would have been like fire fire officers on set during all this, but the actors are very close to this fire. Come on. And here we get some nice... Oh, this, actually, this shot is not nice. Come on! <laughs> sort of lightly jogging away from the danger. Uh, there's some, some lovely model work of the building going up in flames and exploding. It's alright, Bertha. But the compositing in that one shot is, um is pretty bad. Uh, it's not the worst because we haven't got to the final dead. scene of the episode yet. Butler's dead, you just had to interfere. Oh, and our plan of sitting around doing nothing, waiting for him to burn the building down was going so well. Humor me, Weldon. 
And Ted Shackelford is really good when Brogan has to be is there something under the building? angry. But he's also good. Oh, great. And it happened only a few times in this series where it was like, oh, here's an unknowable mystery. <gasps> What's going on? <gasps> oh, spooky. Um, I can't really explain it any better than that, I don't think. But he's sort of, he's really good at sort of we have to stop it. Pushing the there's a mystery element to this. Good news, buddy. I found a place for you to live. My neighbor's moving out. I don't need a place. I live with my mom. Well, this is the thrilling conclusion to the Orin has problems with his mum story. What would my mom do without me? I mean, who would clean the compactor? What's your dad's for, Orin? Right. <laughs> hey, uh, Haldane. And this is the, um... Uh, firstly, I like that Romek and Haldane have this little apology moment. But this is the other appearance of Scarlet's girlfriend. Who is just seen essentially crying in the background. Because, you know, the death of her fiancé, it's a minor point compared to, um, Orin and... Orin and his mum and other things. It's like, oh god, this poor woman, she's just literally pushed into the background. Like in that shot, Took is dealing with her and she's she looks away from Anza to eavesdrop on the Haldane and Jane talk. It's like, oh god, this poor woman. I want you to know that I only give you a hard time because I, you know, I care about you. I care about you too. Really. Who's Peter? He's my brother. <laughs> Your brother? Your brother? Yes. Um, what brother and sister relationship is constantly sending each other flowers and chocolates? Hardly. Unless it's a birthday or a special occasion. I d oh, there's Anza being carried away, oh, led away in the background. Get out of here, woman. You and your... Your... Heartbreak is, is none of our business anymore. Get the next shuttle back to Demeter. Yes, Lieutenant Brogan, DCPD. Let me speak to Captain Weldon. Negative. I have. What's clever about this is this woman who's saying there's no Captain Weldon. There's nobody here of that name. She was in. She was in the very background in the opening scene at the um, military base. So that's presumably the same room as they were watching the meteorite come down in. She knows there's a Captain Weldon. She works with her. She's fibbing. Oh dear. Now we cut back to the ruins of the tower block, and this is, I said that there was a shot, a really badly composited shot in this episode, this is it. The model shot of the meteor being pulled out of the ruins is, is beautiful, but there's an insert shot of Graffer and Weldon watching from on a hill, and they're so badly composited into the background of the city that they almost look like giants. It, it's a shot that really doesn't work. Anyway, the meteor from under the tower has now been pulled up, placed in a sealed container and we have our to be continued and incredibly that was where they were going to leave it because they they were going to leave it completely open-ended and uh i guess they felt no one would be interested in finding out what happened after that it's like it's like um that episode of next generation where picard is assimilated by the borg if they just said next week um you know what actually we're not interested in following that up you know he he, he got better he walked it off it's fine it blows my mind that that was that was considered a satisfactory ending. I, I kind of get the appeal of leaving it open-ended, but huh. so this is a fairly baffling one to judge because you have to judge it as part one of a two-parter, but also it wasn't produced with that in mind. So on its own, it's it's a decent enough episode, uh, and I always wonder how I would feel if there wasn't a part two. But there is a part two, and we'll see that next week. GTV
Tun, 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 tun.